welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I am joined by listener Kevin, all the way from the U.S. Kevin has a rather different story about getting married to someone who he believed loved him and then turned out to be a con man, in his own words, who was using him to get a green card and the fallout from that. And Kevin's very honest about his experiences and then moving into a new relationship and the difference that had on him. So it's a very open, honest chat. And thank you to Kevin for being open about that and being able to share his story. I am joined by listener Kevin Goodley. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Hey, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming on. How do you feel being on The Divorce Social? Um, Like a huge weight is about to be lifted off my shoulders. I'm finally going to be able to tell my story free about what happened with me and to let other people know that, that there are men in relationships that can also be abused. It may not just be physically, but there's also emotional abuse as well. Um, and 
they need to know that they can get help. They can survive this. That's amazing. Well, I'm so happy you, you know, around to tell your story and up for telling your story. So should we, um, let me take you back to where you were in the world and your life when you first were getting a divorce? It was in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I was, uh, I wasn't so much laid off of my job, but um, I didn't know that I, if I was going to be coming back to one. Um, there was a point where my ex was uh, threatening me with a whole bunch of threats and everything like that. And I just figured that I had just turned 30 years old in the middle of the pandemic, and I don't need everything that he's throwing at me in my life right now. And it got to a point where I had to get even a protective order and police had to come in and escort them out the door. What was that sort of process? If anyone's listening and, and they're thinking, oh, already what you've said makes me think about my situation. How do you get out of an abusive situation like that? I got help. Um, and actually the person that helped me to find a lawyer was the lawyer who was helping um, me and my ex with their uh, adjustment of status stuff for immigration services. <laughs> and um, she referred me to a friend of hers who was uh, who specialized in divorces. And she, she told me to go and get the protective order because I had the evidence um, to say that he was doing this and that. And um, that's what uh, culminated into my kicking them out and starting the proceedings. So where are you in the world? Well, I'm currently in the, well, I am in the United States right now. I'm originally from Maryland, but I moved uh, to another state uh, for work. I, I'm a croupier. I've been doing it for seven years. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so, so, your, so your partner wasn't from the States, is that right? That's correct. They were from Vietnam. So they were applying for, you know, green card immigration things and it was that lawyer that started helping you with getting out of the situation you were in yes she referred me to another lawyer who who would help me to get the ball rolling in that that's interesting did she notice the signs then or had you reached out to her and sort of said I think things aren't right I was the one that reached out to her um because um like I said, they were threatening me. They said that at one, at many a times that um, they would throw me in jail if I didn't help them with their green card. Um, they said that, quote unquote, they weren't alone here, that they had friends here. That sounds like some sort of thing you hear on The Godfather or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, So is this someone you were married to? I was. So your your partner, you know, that you got married to and had that, you know, wonderful love with is then threatening you and trying to get a green card, it sounds like, and threatening you to help them get the green card. Yes, then that was pretty, that's pretty much the long and the short of it. Um, but I hope that wasn't my intention. They, they were saying that they had proof of them giving me money to help them get the green card. And I'm like, there was no money exchanged, like a dowry. There was nothing like that. I'm like, so what is he talking about? Well, and then first of all, I wouldn't do that in the first place. 
place because I'd rather marry somebody out of love. And I thought that this person loved me and I loved them, um, but it was only like a one-sided love. So how long had you been together and been married before this happened? Well, it was a long distance relationship. We started speaking approximately five years before we had gotten married. Um, We met some, I would say about 2015, approximately. Um, We met on social media at the time. They had like a Korean sentence on there because I I also, I speak Korean as well, along with some other languages. And I saw an error that they made on there and I helped correct it. And that sort of went from there. And just sort of just started talking and talking and talking and they came to meet me. I went over to Vietnam to meet them and their family. And then bringing that back to around 2019, that's when I proposed. They came over in around February of 2020 and then the pandemic happened. And then I think once they get, I think it kind of started when my grandmother had passed away. Um, my grandmother had passed around the week before Christmas in 2019. And I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. But uh, yeah. And um, I tried to tell him, trying to see if I can get some comfort for, from them. And um, they said, I'm sorry. And then we have to speak to the lawyer in order to help with uh, the my approval to come over there for my visa. And I'm like, how did you say go from I'm sorry to you talking about yourself? That should have been my first red flag. because. But in the moment of distress and distraught, I'm just saying, I don't even want to talk to you right now. <laughs> so were they living over here with you after you got married? Yeah. Or did they still have to go back to Vietnam? No. So they were, you were together in the States? Yes. Yes. So, um, they came over 20, February 2020. We got married uh in March and we were together for about three months and that's when it was um because that's when the pandemic everything was shutting down at the time I remember we were living together for three months but legally we were married for about a year so you know that's I guess you assume that that's going to be in a really exciting time newly married living together um and so it must have been a shock when things started to deteriorate so quickly. Yes, yes. Uh, turned it for me. It turned out that that angelic smile uh, was had the devil inside of him, so to speak. Because that's when they came off that plane. Everything had changed. Uh, um, we went. We got married in the uh, in the courthouse back uh, back in my hometown of Baltimore. My mother couldn't even attend because she had, uh, I think it was jury duty or something of that kind. Uh, And he couldn't even wait for my mother. Oh, so he insisted. He insisted on the wedding. Yeah. So, and you know, you're saying that should have been, you know, the second red flag. Mm -hmm. Because so many of us, I think, look back at relationships and go, well, that was a red flag. Why didn't I see something about that? Why do you think you didn't do something about it at the time because i had assumed that this was my first real relationship in a long time i hadn't been lucky i haven't been lucky in the dating scene um around 
in that specific time. So I had, I was really going into this relationship fresh, ignorant, not really knowing anything. So me seeing these red flags now, but not then, it was a bit of a rookie mistake because, like I said, I didn't know that he he was being all doing all these hurtful things. It, I, but I think it's so, so many people can relate to that. Like looking back, you're like, well, that was a red flag. But at the time you sort of want to, especially if you're in love, you want to believe the good things and you want to believe the love. Of course, Yes, of course. And it was, and that's what I thought this was. Uh, I just chalked it up to him being anxious to, to get married and everything like that. That had I and I had not known until later that it was all just for a piece of paper. And and what did your friends and families say around that time? Were they all convinced by them too? Yes and no. To my face, they were very happy for me. But then once everything culminated to the part where I kicked them out. Oh, they were saying, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. I did not like him. And then there was a there's a restaurant that I always frequent where I know a lot of the people that work there. Or one of the um, waitresses was saying, yeah, I didn't. There was something about him I didn't like. I'm glad you kicked him out, too. too. And I'm like, e- even the waitress at the restaurant right, had just met them for the first time, had, their, had some qualms about him. And I was like, wow then I had no idea. I was very, very stupid. How did that feel, though, hearing all those people saying, yeah, I never liked them anyway, even though to your face they've been saying, yeah, they're great? Well, the thing is, is that I guess they were trying to spare my feelings, but the thing is, is that I'd rather be hurt with the truth instead of comforted with a lie if you didn't, if you didn't like person at the time i'd rather you tell me about it. yeah i did and then well i would i would have went in and see what it was that they saw that i didn't see and then if i saw what they saying and it was true then i wouldn't have done it anyway like, so like tell, tell me before i make the leap into um what it is i want to do so that way i won't come out about with the all this depression and misery that i have for doing it yeah I remember when I got divorced and some people said to me like yeah I I was never sure about him and I was like um (laughs) well you never said that at the time you just come out now afterwards yeah Yeah. it it is it, it it made me feel like everyone was secretly like talking about it behind my back whilst I was like everything's great we're really happy together especially when i told my grandmother before she passed and my mother my mother told was talking to her like i I think going um if i'm paraphrasing here she was saying my grandmother asked him why is he going to marry that boy she's like like and my mother said i don't know just just let him let him do what he has to do and learn and learn his lesson and i guess i my lesson was learned (laughs) So when everything started to unravel and you kicked him out and you got the lawyer to start proceedings, mm-hmm. emotionally, what was that like for you? Yeah, you know, that's the thing where uh, everybody had a, uh, a huge weight lifted off their shoulders. It was, that's, that was kind of what it was. It was like a breath of fresh air. 
I started to play like what was the Pharaoh's Happy on the uh, on the television. But then it was also done, but it wasn't really done. So with the protective order that I got, they said that they cannot have any contact with me or through social media, phone calls, et cetera, et cetera. It wasn't until they the police escorted them like two like out of the apartment like two or three minutes afterwards. It was it wasn't two or three minutes after they had uh, escorted them out that he was already violating the protective order. Trying to contact me, having their friends contact me, they knowing what they did. And I'm just like, go away. You are, you're not welcome in this apartment anymore. So it's, it's harassment, isn't it? And you're trying to put that section of your life behind you. Yes. And them put, um, having their friends call me and then saying that they were sorry for everything that they did. Mind you, they never said sorry when, in all the, um, arguments that we had had you know new couple you know you're gonna have uh some differences in living arrangements and everything like that and that that was fine but you know i can also admit when i'm wrong and apologize for it they were too scared to say these two little words and just like is that difficult for you to say i mean it can go a long way so his friends were ringing you and trying to manipulate you by saying that he's sorry yes and that and were they trying to get him to come back or they were just trying to get you to do the green card no they were trying to get me to come back i'm fairly certain that neither that in, none of his friends know about this whole scam and and is that how you view it now a scam from him to try and get a green card well more so a card artist you know that that little smile that they had um the so-called innocence behind it, it, it can, one has to be careful with, with something like that. How do you feel about being taken in by a con artist? Well, it's not a good feeling. And because all the time and effort and money that I put in to get the lawyer to um, buy the apartment for us to live in, to get the marriage license um, to factor in the, the fees for the immigration applications and everything like that it took a it took a it took a huge toll because I was like I did all this for nothing and you're not even the least bit grateful about it and you thought you were doing it for love presumably and so you could live this lovely life together yes well, silly me I guess <laughs> I don't know you because you say silly me and you said before you commented and you said it was stupid. But I think a lot of people, you know, have been in similar situations, whether it's catfishing, whether it's being taken in by someone and then asked for money or, you know, it's not as rare as we hope it would be. And, and you know, they're, they're good at what they do. So what I think if anyone's listening and they're worried that they're in a similar situation... Are there any signs looking back now that you can see and that people should be aware of? If they are not being, if they're pushing away when you're being intimate with them, like sometimes I would uh, 
hug them in their back and, you know, have given them a little kiss on the neck and everything like that. And they would push me away. That was one of the things. So if there is no intimacy, um, if their whole conversation is about the law- a lawyer or immigration or basically, and also money, money was a big factor. The thing is they couldn't really work because they didn't have what we have something here called work authorization forms. They didn't even have that. So they had to work under the table at a nail salon. That's the big thing here. Stereotypically, the Vietnamese people own a lot of the nail salons here in America. So it's it's a stereotype, I'm not saying, but that's where they were working under the table at the time. But when did that conversation start? Because, you know, you said you were talking for five years before. So presumably... It was probably all me because I... Um, invited them to come over to America so that we can meet each other um, and then we can go to like different places. At one point we went to uh, New York and we went to uh, see the, stat- the Liberty Islands, Ellis Islands. Um, that was pretty much it. Then they also had a family, I believe in Texas as well. So they went down to Texas and spoke to them there. And that was uh, pretty much our uh, our little adventure here. And then I went over to Vietnam. I met his mother and brother. I could barely speak the language of Vietnamese, but I tried my best to learn before I went over there. And that was my first time going out of the country. And it was a very, very beautiful country. I, I didn't even want to leave there. <laughs> yeah, so because... I think some people might think, oh, because you met online, was it purely an online relationship? But no, you met you met the family. You traveled back and forth. And yes. I know I know before you said about they would pull away when you tried to be intimate. Do you mind talking about intimacy? You know, were were you intimate with them before you got married? No. There were a few um kisses here and there, but it when it became uh if you're referring to sexually, no, because um, I'm somebody who was who's always respectful to another per, a, a partner. So they said that they wanted to who uh, save it for the marriage, and when I respected that. And now, in hindsight, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, like I said, because I know there's quite a few people who don't want to get intimate before marriage. And I understand that as well. Well, so I didn't really see that as much of a red flag, if I'm honest. Yeah. So now that you've managed to remove yourself, you know, from this situation, you've got the police involved, Mm -hmm. you're divorced. Yay. Yay. (laughs) How does it make you feel about relationships now and going into new relationships? Is that hard for you? I wouldn't say it was hard for me, no, because I just recently had come out of another relationship. It was an amicable uh, breakup, but um, I but I really knew what real love felt like. Like, they were they were intimate with me. They shared my feelings. I, I can't really explain it. The je ne sais quoi, basically. Like, all the things that I realized what love was was in this, the relationship that I was just in. And, and I knew that that's what was missing from that previous one that I was married into. And I'm forever grateful for 
for for her to uh, uh, showing me this. Because I I think if that had happened to me, I'd be super like protective of myself going into new things and like wanting to like grill them when I meet them and check that it's not going to happen again. Do you have any of those feelings? Oh, yes. I, yes. Oh, well, of course, because it was, yeah, but I was scared that the, the love that I had shared with um, them, there were, it wasn't going to be reciprocated, but so yeah, there was that bit of anything. I was like, oh, do they like me? Do they don't like me? We had our first date. And I was like, and I'm so nervous because it's like, it's my first date. Like, what, two, like, today, it's 2013, 2022, two years. And I'm like, oh, would they like me? Would they not like me? Me, if I, when I tell them what happens, will they still continue to see me? Me, because all that baggage here, because I wanted them to just be, I wanted everything on the table because saying, this is what happened to me. I want, I hope you that you're patient with me. It was a successful first day because they've also had a similar situation too. The only difference is the person they were um, engaged to be married to was American. But we were together for quite a while. You know, and I, like I said, I found the person that taught me what love was. I'm so glad. I, yes, thank you. And now I'm going to we broke up but uh yeah but you but, still had that experience but I still had the experience and I love that I had that experience though because now I I know in the future what I need to look for in order to be happy have them be happy and just basically find love for it yeah and so did you say that you know you said you wanted everything to be on the table did you tell them what had happened to you yeah in, on that first date Yes, I did. Oh wow! Yeah, because um, actually, because we were, we worked together. They worked in a different department from where I was working at um uh, at the casino where I worked. Mm-hmm. So I kind of uh, told them about oh, I was abused at at, at a marriage. They threw a frying pan at me, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I was like, oh wow! And then like a like a few months later after that, I asked them out on the date, and then um. They actually brought up the whole incident with my man. And I just basically told them there. I, I love that because I think I remember when I started dating and I was like, when do you tell the new person that you're divorced or like your relationship history? And I'm bisexual as well. So I was like, if I'm on a date with a woman, when do I tell them that I was married to a man? And, you know, and I, I love the openness of just on the first date being able to lay it all on the table. And just, and then move on from there. I love that idea. I'm pretty much, I would like to be an open book. I want people to know where I stand, what happened to me, and what made me do this the way that I do. Because something like that can really put a toll on you. Depression, hair loss, because I I lost a, a lot of hair and all the stress, not only because of the pandemic, because of them as well. And so... It was, it was a, uh, it was a, I wouldn't say hair raising, but it was a hair losing experience. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so you had depression and hair loss. Yes. And how, how did that affect your confidence? Is your, do, I mean, is, is your hair something that gives you confidence? Is it an important part of, of you? And yes and no, it doesn't give me so much confidence, but it does help me, um, 
but I want for it to look as good as possible so that people wouldn't think, oh, I just got out of bed or anything like that. I want to try to at least look look presentable to people when I go out. Mm. And then you have the I had this large bold spot in the middle of my head. Looks like um if you if you ever seen our football, the football fields, fields with the stands around there, the hair mm. that I had left was the stands, and then the, the big ball spot in there was the feet was the pitch. <laughs> Did you, you know, cover it up or go out proudly like that? Or uh, well, uh, sometimes I did, and some most sometimes when I found somebody, um, I would uh, have them braid my hair into cornrows, and they would have to use extra hair um, in order to uh, braid it in, and it would look like I didn't lose any hair at all, and it looked fantastic. But I think I need to get another appointment too soon. <laughs> but I was already losing my hair, but that. The stress of the marriage just um, put more stress onto it and made the hair fall out even more. Yeah, because it's it's not, you know, a, a lot of the time we might talk about depression or I have anxiety, but a lot of the time we don't talk about kind of physical aspects of that, like hair loss. Yes. Um, and a lot of, um, you know, it's great that you can open up about it because I know a lot of men find it quite hard to talk about as well. How do you deal with that now on an ongoing basis i just don't i just comb my hair and just be on my way because like i said it's, it's nothing about confidence with my hair it's just trying to keep it as present be as presentable as possible if anything if anything my confidence is just me just asserting myself with the confidence and you know standing up straight and saying this is me i'm proud of who i am um, I'm not going to have anybody fuck with me because to make them feel good about themselves. Yeah, I like that. And also, if someone's going to judge you on your hair, then they're not worth it, are they? No, fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> fuck them is a great <laughs> slogan for life. Yes. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Ding dong. It's the ad break. This podcast is sponsored by Penguin in the Room, an award-winning company that can manage your business's social media. They even manage our podcast, Instagram and Twitter. Just email info at penguinintheroom.com for a quote. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can by buying merchandise from our website, www.thedivorcesocial.com. Ding dong. 
I love that your your last relationship, you know, you realized what love was and you laid it all out on the table in that first date. Now going into dating again, do you think that's a strategy you will use? Are you open and upfront and honest with people straight away? Well, I wouldn't say if should I have another first date? I would say that I would not be as upfront with them because with when I did it with this last person, I uh, we had already met before we went on our first date, so we spoke about our our, our dating history beforehand a little bit. Mm. So that was my first date. That's when I put it on the table. But if I'm just meeting that person for the first time on the date, I would I would not like put it out there. I'll probably mention it a little tidbit. I was I was once married before, but I wouldn't go that far just yet unless they asked. I like that. Just like tempt them with the information and then see what happens. Yes. And would you ask the person that you're dating their dating history? Like, would you want to know if they've been married before? Um, Not really, no. I wouldn't want to know that. I mean, if, um, if they were to give that information up, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But ultimately, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think I want to know. That's interesting to know because I know a lot of people are like, I don't know whether to say it in the first date or kind of hold back with that information. Well, so. first date wise, um, if we're talking, yeah, if we're speaking about the first date, I wouldn't want to know that. Maybe as we get to know each other a little better, if there's like a second and third date, then maybe we can talk about dating history or something like that. But on the first date, I'd rather just get to know the person, hobbies, likes, dislikes, music, etc. And you seem very like upbeat and <laughs> happy, even though you've, you know, been through really hard times. It's the drugs. <laughs> no, no, I no. don't know if you're joking or being serious. I take anxiety medication. That helps. I do have uh, anti. I do take antidepressants though, but um, that was because of a, I had a, I experienced a car accident last month. Oh and that was a very scary experience. But that's neither here nor there. I have been taking antidepressants before, especially after the marriage, too. Yeah. But most of the time, I try to go without them. It's difficult, but um, it's difficult to put on a smile some days. So, so I have to, I try to use humor so that way to mask the pain. Me too. Being a comedian, that's, yeah. I can totally relate to that. And is there anything else that you've done? Obviously, you mentioned the antidepressants at certain stages. Have you had therapy or is there any other kind of activities that you've done that have helped you kind of process what you've been through? I started writing. I've been writing and writing and writing. I've actually, um, when I first started, I was going to actually initially write a script out about my time in my marriage, saying all the things that they did, I did, and what had happened to culminate us getting divorced. And I was happened to look at uh, my TV and uh, a new episode of uh, Agatha Christie's Poirot was coming up. And so I'm a really big fan of murder mysteries. And I was like, huh, maybe I can do something like that. So instead of writing a script, I wrote an outline and and some of the stuff I put in little bits and pieces of what happened in my real life 
onto the main character. And I've published, self-published two books already, and I'm working on my third and my fourth one. Oh, wow. And yeah, I do touch, and I do touch on, so I say it's murder mysteries, but a semi-autobiographical, because the main character has been going through some of the things that I have been through. So it, it also helps to teach, and you also have fun trying to trying to read a whodunit as well. <laughs> yeah. And is that something that you think helps you process, because it's something you enjoy, but also you're putting... Oh, immensely immensely it did and because i was writing stuff down they say that if you have uh they saying that if you have some anxiety or depression or if there's something that's always bothering you write it down and that's what i did and i wrote and i wrote and i wrote and i'm working on i have ideas for my fifth and sixth novels i'm writing down the first draft to my fourth i got beta readers on my third it's it's crazy. <laughs> so it's actually inspired you, really. Yes. I, I guess that's the one good thing that came out of that marriage. That's the one thing I would thank them for. Yeah. And and looking back, you know, when you were in the midst of all that difficulty and feeling, you know, at your lowest, are there any words of wisdom if you could speak to the you back then? What would you say to them? For me, that's a difficult question because for me, I wouldn't call it a low point in my life. I would call it a high point because I didn't fail in anything. I learned. Mm. I learned from what had happened. So if I was speaking to myself back then, I probably wouldn't say anything. I would just let it, I would just let it go because it's like what my mother told me when she was speaking to my grandmother let him learn his lesson and my lesson was learned however if they had if i was if my friends or whomever it was at the time told me that they had qualms about this person instead of just saying oh i'm so happy for you then i probably would have done it but in this case nobody has said anything so i did it and i'll say this some good has been coming out of it i've tra- i've traveled for my job i'm writing book i'm writing novels I'm meeting a whole bunch of new people, and it actually feels really, really good. I'm I'm actually in the place right now where I could probably forgive them for all the things that they did to me. Wow. I wouldn't want to start the whole process again of dating, but I guess I can, but I, I guess I can forgive for all the hurtful things that they did. And how does it feel to say that out loud that you can forgive him there's a little bit of comfort into it um but I'll, but yeah it it, it kind of dulls the pain the comfort dulls the pain and so it's not as bad as it was two three years ago when it happened and so the pain's still there oh yes it's, it's always going to stay it's always going to be there no matter what it's you just one just has to learn how to deal with it in their own way and try to do it, what's the word I'm looking for? And try to do it in a positive way. I'm interested in that. Try to, what, feel the pain in a positive way? No, no. Feel the pain and know that the pain is and try to deal with it in a positive way. So if you work out, go try to go go work out as hard as you can. If you write, write about it. If you, in my case, I at the time I was very big into video games. 
And so I would do, I would my favorite game is Mortal Kombat. And so whenever something had bothered me, somebody had bothered me, like especially when I was in school, if anybody had bothered me in the, or just bullied me in the wrong way, I would picture my head on my opponent's body and do the fatalities on them. And that was like, it was either that or an assault charge. And I, I don't want to go and I don't want to be in jail. So, so that was, I, I, I would consider that a positive thing. Then, you know, that, that just helps for the de-stressing. You've got like your anger out through video games. Yes. Through video games, through writing, through exercise. And uh, when my grandmother's not here anymore, but I would talk to her about it as well. Yeah, it's, it's um, I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother because my dad died just before, well, just before I got married. And then obviously when I was getting divorced, he was someone that I would have spoken to about stuff. So it's hard when you lose that person that would, you know, is is the person, is your go-to to call and, and talk to. Yes, it is. Because coincidentally, my grandmother had passed before I got married too. And I would have really loved for her to be there, even though it it, it ended in disaster. Our marriage ended in disaster. I, it just, just to have her there would have been uh, a great moment for me. Yeah. And so do you think you'd get married again? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> perhaps maybe but it would be i would have to be in a relationship for a long long time before that even happened five years at minimum and why is that because that's when you can see everything that you can about a person in my in my opinion you know because you know how they act how they act how they live how you live and just basically see how they would react towards you and see if they can be the person that you can speak to about anything and everything. Yeah. Yes. And also because, um, and to see how they react to what they, what you tell them, because I used to do that with my, my ex that I was married to, you know, and it was like, I come in and, but then, you say it, it'll be okay. It'll be okay, and you, you, you know, you're you're rubbing me on my shoulder and everything, and then you're you go back to what you were doing. I'm like, you don't sit down, talk with me. I mean, tell me um, how are you feeling? Why is it making you feel the way that you feel? I had that with the last relationship that I was just in. I was, we spoke to each other. We had, uh, we had conversations about it. There was one time where um, this person thought that um, the one I was just in, they thought that they were positive for HIV. And I said, I will be right there with you throughout that whole ordeal. And I was. That's the kind of things that you need to, I, at least I would have to figure out if they would be there for me. like, And I would be there for them, of course. Mm. It's an interesting one about the marriage question because... Uh, straight after I got divorced I was like I definitely want to be married again and then when I, I went through a stage of like mm, I don't know probably not 
And now I'm in that, like, I just, different days, I say different things. <laughs> One day I want to, I'm like, yeah, let's get married again. And like all of that big wedding. And then the next day I'm like, well, do I need to? Can I, I'll just be happy in a relationship and that's enough. So it's it's an interesting one for me. I still don't know what the final answer is. But. No, but I think nobody knows the final answer until somebody gets down on one knee and asks, if, "Will you marry me?" Yeah. And then at that point in time, it's like then you like you go through all the motions and like, what have they done? It's like, did they do this? Did they do that? And like, what are they worth it? And everything like that. And if they say yeah, if yes to all those, then yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's always those boxes that you have to tick off before you finally get to the decision to wanting to marry the person yeah and also we've done the marriage thing now right so we've ticked that box so to tick it again needs to have a good reason yes and this time <laughs> instead of um, doing it in pencil we need to do it in permanent marker <laughs> yes I agree with that so looking back at your whole kind of marriage and divorce journey how do you feel about being divorced now i'm happy i am extremely ecstatic and even more so now than i was when uh i first started the proceedings i started feeling elated when the police came the sheriff's deputies and everything they came to the apartment and they served them the order to get out of the um, apartment. And then one time, the year later, when the judge approved the divorce, and I was like, and it was on a Zoom call too, because like I said, it was a pandemic. And I was, and then when they said it was approved, I actually did a dance in front of the camera. <laughs> and the judge saw that and I was like, well, you're happy. I'm like, yes, I am. Because she knows everything. She knew everything that happened. Mm. I was elated. I was happy. It was a lesson learned, like my mother had said. And so I learned my lesson. And now I'm all the better for it. So technically, I um, I don't have any regrets about going into it. That's an amazing place to be. No regrets. None, none whatsoever. I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I learned my lesson and like you said you learn from your the lessons and I'm all the better for it I think that's a perfect place to finish thank you so much for sharing your story and your feelings it's been an absolute pleasure and right here too and thank you so much for um letting me tell my story of course thank you Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we have a Patreon account, which means that you 
can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.